Section thirty one of Mysteries of London, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mysteries of London, Volume four by George W. M. Reynolds. Fresh Scenes and More Troubles at Home. While the discovery of the assassination of the old miser was being made in Pentonville, as just related, a scene of some interest occurred simultaneously at the mansion of the Earl of Ellingham in Pall Mall. Charles Hatfield had risen early, after having passed a restless night, and his toilet being completed, he was just meditating, unpleasantly meditating, on the demeanour that it was proper for him to assume at the breakfast-table when the door opened and his father entered the chamber the young man had not encountered his parents since the dispute of the preceding morning he had purposely avoided them throughout the day not appearing at the dinner-table and absenting himself likewise from the family meeting at the supper hour he therefore felt himself somewhat disagreeably situated being totally unprepared to meet his father and having decided on no definite course to pursue with regard to him my dear son said mr hatfield approaching and taking the young man's hand it is necessary that we should have an immediate explanation i allude to the occurrences of yesterday morning and i regret that you should have adopted the unusual course of absenting yourself throughout the day i returned home between seven and eight last evening interrupted charles hastily but not disrespectfully i am aware of it said mr hatfield fixing his eyes upon his son in a penetrating manner but you only remained in the house a few minutes and having visited your chamber you hurried away again were you afraid to encounter your parents remember charles if you felt that your conduct of the morning had been undutiful and improper nay i will even say cruel towards us yet a single word expressive of contrition would have made us open our arms to receive you you denounce my behaviour as cruel towards you exclaimed charles but did you not first provoke me father did you not call me harsh names and if in return i complained of what i considered to be the unnatural conduct of my parents toward me wherefore thus pertinacious endeavour to penetrate into those secrets which for good and salutary reasons your parents keep concealed from you demanded mr hatfield for i presume that you allude to the fact of our still desiring that you should pass as our nephew you have assured me that i am legitimate that there is no stigma upon my birth cried charles then wherefore not acknowledge me as your son you claim from me the duty of a son and yet you deny me the title and again i must remind you father that to an accident alone am i indebted for the knowledge of my birth i would ask you charles said mr hatfield in a serious and impressive tone that all this has to do with the proposal of marriage that you made to lady frances ellingham for it was on this point that our dispute commenced yesterday morning am i to suppose that my son being unwilling to contract an alliance so honourable to him seeks other grounds whereon to base his desire of flying in the face of his parents am i to conclude that being resolved to thwart us in this our dearest hope you seize upon another and ignoble pretext to justify your rebellion against us no ten thousand times no exclaimed the young man 
cruelly hurt by these suspicions in first place i do not love lady frances ellingham otherwise than as a brother may love a sister because interrupted mr hatfield fixing his eyes sternly upon his son because you have formed some connection of which you are ashamed ah cried charles starting violently has my father acted the spy upon me listen said mr hatfield to whose countenance the indignant blood rushed as his son thus insolently addressed him but he chose to control his feelings and he succeeded listen charles and then decide whether you ought to judge me so harshly your conduct of yesterday morning towards your mother and myself was of such an extraordinary unaccountable distressing nature that you cannot blame me if i resolved to discover the motives that had actuated you in this determination i was fixed by your protracted absence throughout the day your stealthy return in the evening your short visit to your own chamber your avoidance of all the inmates of this house and your hasty and also stealthy departure again i confess then that i followed you last evening you followed me father repeated charles in a low hoarse and hollow voice yes i followed you to suffolk street continued mr hatfield with a firmness and a cool determination of tone and manner which he hoped would overawe the rebellious young man and on inquiry in the neighbourhood i learnt that at the house which you entered dwells a very beautiful young lady now i give you my honour charles that i ask no more was told no more than this one fact i have no desire to become acquainted with the liaisons of my son indeed i know that young men will be what shall we call it gay if you will all i wished to ascertain was whether there were any grounds for supposing that you had formed a connection which you may believe to have love for its basis and which induced you yesterday morning to refuse the fulfilment of your own offer to lady frances ellingham father said charles hatfield scarcely able to restrain an outburst of indignation reproach and bitter recrimination in which had he allowed that torrent of feelings to force a vent all that he knew of his family and their secrets would have been revealed or rather proclaimed in no measured terms father he said fortunately subduing the evil promptings of the moment i have listened to you with attention though not without impatience yesterday you reviled me you heaped bitter reproaches upon me you menaced me with disinheritance then in the evening you enacted the spy upon my actions you watched me you followed me it was my duty and a most painful one i can assure you interrupted mr hatfield alarmed by the strange the ominous coldness that characterized his son's tone and manner your duty ejaculated charles now speaking with an indignation that burst forth in frightful contrast with the unnatural tranquillity on which it so abruptly broke and wherefore have you not performed your duty in all things duty indeed but now father that there are other duties to fulfil than merely playing the part of a spy on your son's actions there are such duties as giving him his proper name allowing him to assume his just rights and placing him in that social position which he ought to occupy you menace me with the loss of fortune father oh you know how vain and ridiculous is this threat and how it aggravates the wickedness of all your former conduct towards me i am no longer a child to be held in leading strings 
no longer a silly sentimentalist who through maudlin and mawkish feelings of a false delicacy will consent to have my nearest and dearest interests trampled upon my privileges altogether withheld my rights cruelly denied me you have played the mysterious too long you have enacted the cruel and unnatural until endurance has become impossible and now you would assume the part of the absolute dictator expecting to find me still a pliant docile grovelling slave without spirit without courage without even the common feelings of a man but you are mistaken father and if i have thus been driven to tell you my mind you have only yourself to reproach for so distressing so painful a scene thus speaking and before his father had so far recovered from the amazement into which this volley of words threw him as to be able even to stretch out a hand to retain him charles seized his hat and rushed from the room in less than a minute the front door of the house closed behind him and he hurried on like one demented to suffolk street but before we accompany him thither we must pause to explain the effect which this scene had upon his father indeed mr hatfield was struck with an astonishment so profound a bewilderment so complete that his heart seemed as if it were numbed against pain he could not comprehend the drift of charles's passionate address otherwise than by supposing that the young man required to be recognized as a son and not as a nephew for it did not as in fact it could not for a single moment enter mr hatfield's head that charles had discovered all the occurrences of former years and that he had thence drawn the false and fatal inference that he this same infatuated young man was the heir to the proud title and vast estates of the earldom of ellingham he therefore saw in his son's conduct only the rebellious spirit of an individual who having formed a connection of which he was most likely ashamed and which he knew to be improper endeavoured to meet his parents reproaches with recriminations and seize upon the least shadow of an excuse or pretext for resisting the paternal authority when reflection thus diminished the wonderment which mr hatfield experienced at the behaviour of the young man pain and sorrow succeeded that first feeling indeed the unhappy father was cruelly embarrassed he knew not how to act charles was of that age when even did circumstances permit mr hatfield to acknowledge that he really was his son no legal authority could be exercised nor constraint practised and he felt assured that any farther attempt to interfere with him in the connection which he had formed would only aggravate the irritability of the wrong-headed young man then again it was impossible to abandon him thus to courses which might hurry him on to utter ruin and moreover the lady frances ellingham had been so cruelly trifled with that an explanation with her parents became absolutely necessary now was it that mr hatfield cursed the hour when he had been induced to leave italy and return to england on this visit to his half-brother a visit which the earl had by letter urged him to pay and to which he had assented in full confidence of the complete safety of the step bewildered with the variety of his conflicting thoughts and feeling the necessity as well as recognizing the propriety of consulting the earl mr hatfield repaired to the library whence he dispatched a message to the nobleman requesting his lordship to join him there as speedily as possible 
for it still wanted upwards of half an hour to the usual breakfast time the earl of ellingham was just issuing from his chamber when the message was delivered to him and immediately apprehending some evil news he hastened to the library where he found his half-brother pacing up and down in an agitated manner mr hatfield without any disguise hesitation or circumlocution immediately unfolded to the earl all that had taken place both on that and the preceding day in respect to charles and arthur listened with emotions of mingled pain astonishment and apprehension much as it would have delighted me he at length observed to witness the union of my daughter and your son thomas i cannot for a moment recommend that the young man's inclinations should be forced such an union seemed necessary almost imperiously necessary under the peculiar circumstances in which we are placed while you the elder brother renounce the title which is your just right i the younger one have long borne it and bear it still though heaven knows that i value it indeed but little however added the earl interrupting himself hastily i was about to observe that situated as we thus are it appears but natural and proper that your son should receive a positive and acknowledged admission into the family by means of an alliance with my daughter and she poor girl she loves him continued the nobleman his voice faltering and he has acted unwisely to use no harsher term in declaring an attachment which he does not feel and making a proposal which he cannot accomplish i am at a loss how to act said mr hatfield my god he cried in a tone expressive of deep feeling am i ever to be the means of giving annoyance and vexation to you my dear arthur you who have been so kind and generous a friend to me not on this account must you distress yourself thomas returned the earl emphatically you are not responsible for the wayward humours of your son but surely this sudden manifestation of a rebellious disposition on his part cannot arise wholly and solely from the connection which you believe him to have formed have you inquired concerning the character of the women the mother and daughter whom he visits in suffolk street no i contented myself with ascertaining that at the house which i saw him enter there is a young lady of very extraordinary beauty and you are convinced that charles has learnt nothing relative to the events of former years nothing calculated to diminish i understand you arthur said mr hatfield seeing that his half-brother hesitated you would ask whether i have any reason to believe that he has learnt aught which may have a tendency to diminish the respect he had until within these two days past maintained towards his parents on this head i am of course unable to answer you positively but my impression is that he is as much as ever in the dark relative to the dread occurrences of the past indeed how can he have possibly learnt a single fact may not the discovery that he is your son and not your nephew have induced him to seek for further information inquired the earl of ellingham may not some sentiment of ardent curiosity have been awakened within him but where could he address himself to this task of raising the veil from the mysteries of bygone years even if he had the slightest ground to suspect that such mysteries do exist demanded mr hatfield interrupting the earl to what source could he repair for the means of elucidation i know not and yet i am now impressed with suspicions of a most unpleasant nature observed the earl 
it is very essential that some immediate help should be taken to redeem this fine young man from a career of error perhaps of depravity oh yes yes exclaimed mr hatfield my god if the sins of the father be in this case visited upon the son life will become intolerable to me rather would i at once have a full and complete understanding with charles tell him all yes all reveal to him who i really am open to him the means of a complete retrospection embracing all my sad history and then throw myself on his mercy imploring him at least to have pity upon his innocent mother if not on me who am so guilty no no thomas this humiliation may not be ejaculated the earl for if as you believe your son has at present no suspicion of the past it would be madness to make unnecessary revelations i am bewildered cruelly perplexed i know not how to act cried mr hatfield oh if i were confident that he has no such suspicions that he has learnt or surmised nothing calculated to diminish the respect due to his mother and myself how can he have fathomed the obscurity which hangs over your former life demanded the earl and as to supposing that he could by any possible means obtain even the shadow of an idea of your real birth and parentage no for the papers those important papers which i gave you years ago and which i requested you to destroy those papers i say exclaimed mr hatfield could alone make such important revelations to my son and thank heaven they are not in existence my dear brother returned the earl of ellingham taking mr hatfield's hand and speaking in a very serious tone i most frankly and honestly inform you that those papers have not been destroyed at the same time they have been kept in a place of perfect security a secret recess known only to myself and wherefore were not such dangerous documents burnt annihilated asked mr hatfield in a reproachful tone i dared not perform a deed which would argue so much selfishness on my part replied the earl of ellingham now speaking with a strong emphasis the resultant impulse of his generous lofty honourable feelings so long as those papers remain in existence you my dear brother can at any moment say to me i repent of the step which i took in renouncing my just rights and privileges and i now claim them and should you at any time thus address me it would only be for me to produce the papers that establish your claims oh arthur you are generous even to a fault exclaimed mr hatfield you know or at least i again assure you for the hundredth time that not for the world would i heap disgrace on a noble man by daring to assume it merciful heavens shall the coronet which becomes you so well be snatched from your brows and transferred to those of hush thomas hush this excitement is most unnecessary interrupted the earl you must not blame me for the motives which induced me to keep the documents and now if you will have them restored to you yes yes give them to me arthur cried mr hatfield resolving to destroy the papers without farther delay you claim them they are yours and they shall at once be returned into your hands said the nobleman but i conjure you to act not hastily nor rashly fear nothing arthur exclaimed mr hatfield but give me the papers there is no time to lose the ladies will be waiting for us at the breakfast-table true 
ejaculated the earl and approaching that shelf at the back of which the secret recess was formed he said once every year i have inspected this well-concealed depository once every year have i assured myself that the precious documents were safe and on those occasions i have cleansed them of the dust which even accumulates in a place that is almost hermetically sealed as the earl thus spoke he took down from the shelf the books which stood immediately before the recess and mr hatfield receiving the volumes in his hands placed them upon the table while performing this simple and almost mechanical act his eyes were suddenly attracted to the name and date of one of the books and his looks were riveted as it were on the words annual register eighteen twenty seven for the nature of the volume and the date of the year whose incidents it recorded suddenly revived the poignancy of many bitter recollections the sharpness of which had been somewhat blunted by time and it was in a moment of strange nervousness or idiosyncratic excitement that he opened the book which thus had aroused those painful memories an ejaculation of horror irrepressible horror escaped his lips for he had lighted on the very page which contained the account of his execution at horsemonger lane and at the very same instant a cry of mingled amazement and alarm burst from the earl of ellingham oh is this a mere accident exclaimed mr hatfield or a warning merciful heaven the papers ejaculated the nobleman a warning that my son has seen this added the unhappy father almost distracted with the idea some miscreant has done this cried the earl stamping his foot with rage and it was seldom that he thus gave way to his passion the brothers turned towards each other exchanging hasty glances of mutual and anxious inquiry the papers are gone said the earl clasping his hands in despair gone repeated mr hatfield staggering as if struck by a sudden blow and this book this book he faltered in a faint tone was in the immediate vicinity of the recess he who took the papers might have read also in that volume the terrible account mr hatfield could say no more overpowered by his feelings he sank exhausted on the nearest seat the earl glanced at the open page which his half-brother had indicated and observing the nature of the statement there recorded he instantly comprehended the cause of mr hatfield's emotions and also of the suspicions which had suddenly seized upon him yes yes this book has been read lately said arthur in an excited and hurried manner behold the corners of the covers have been recently injured oh my god what does all this mean it will be recollected that on the memorable night when charles hatfield pursued his successful researches in the library he had hurled away from him in his rage and almost maddening grief the volume that made such strange such appalling revelations and the violence of the action had so far injured the book as to bend and graze the corners of the binding the marks of the injury remaining clearly visible and the white interior of the leather being laid bare and thus proving how recently the work had been used the book has been read very lately murmured mr hatfield in a musing tone and the papers have perhaps been stolen lately yes exclaimed the earl for not a month has elapsed since i inspected that recess and found them safe then who could have done this cried mr hatfield starting from his seat in a sudden access of excitement which was accompanied by a return of moral and physical energy 
oh is it possible that charles is the author of all that seems so mysterious has he searched for the records of my earlier life has he by accident discovered and purloined those papers those fatal papers yes it must be exclaimed the earl for did you not tell me that he spoke of claims and rights and privileges unjustly withheld and that he has harped upon what he termed the unnatural conduct of his parents in concealing from him the secret of his birth thomas my dear thomas continued lord ellingham speaking in a lower more measured and more impressive tone i can see it all that young man has found out who you are he has learnt that you are the rightful heir to the honours and estates which i enjoy and believing himself to be your legitimate son according to the assurance that you were forced for your wife's sake to give him the deluded deceived charles hatfield fancies himself to be the lawful heir to the earldom you have divined the truth arthur cried mr hatfield his heart wrung to its very core by all the maddening fears and torturing reflections which were thus suddenly excited within him oh what dreadful embarrassments what frightful complications will this misapprehension entail on my unhappy son on you on me on all who are connected with us there is not a moment to lose exclaimed lord ellingham we must hasten after this infatuated young man at that moment the door opened and clarence villiers entered the library the earl having requested him on the previous day to visit him at the hour when true to the appointment he thus made his appearance villiers perceiving at the first glance that something unusual was agitating lord ellingham and mr hatfield was about to retire when the earl beckoning him to advance turned hastily round to his half-brother and said in a hurried whisper we must entrust this matter to villiers he will conduct it with less excitement than you and i and as he knows your secret yes but all he does know is that mr hatfield of to-day is identical with the thomas rainford of former times interrupted the earl's half-brother also speaking in a low and hasty tone remember he is unacquainted with aught of our family secrets ignorant of the parentage of charles neither is it necessary that he should be made acquainted with all these facts interrupted arthur but leave the matter to me then turning towards clarence he said my dear mr villiers you come most opportunely to render us an important service we have every reason to believe that charles has formed an improper connection with a young female of great beauty residing with her mother in very handsome lodgings in suffolk street we likewise conclude that he is there at this present moment hasten thither my good friend demand an immediate interview with charles and tell him that certain discoveries have been made at home in which he is deeply interested in a word compel him to accompany you away from the designing women who have doubtless entangled him in their meshes nay let us not judge hastily cried mr hatfield remember i have heard nothing against the characters of these ladies and it may be a virtuous and honest affection after all that renders charles a visitor at their house let mr villiers then act with circumspection and behave with the strictest courtesy towards these ladies should he encounter them yes but under any circumstances you must persuade charles to return with you immediately to this house said the earl mr hatfield will acquaint you with the precise address of the lodgings in suffolk street 
the earl's half-brother mentioned the number of the dwelling to which he had traced his son on the preceding evening adding the name of the ladies is fitzharding and i heard that the daughter bears the singular denomination of perdita perdita cried villiers starting violently oh if this be the case unhappy lost charles hatfield good heavens what mean you demanded the wretched father rendered terribly anxious by those ominous words that fell on his ears like a death-knell two ladies mother and daughter dwelling together and the girl named perdita mused clarence villiers not immediately heeding the earnest appeal of mr hatfield yes yes it must be they my aunt my wretched wretched aunt who has returned from transportation and her profligate but beauteous daughter do you mean that mrs slingsby who years ago you know to what i allude asked mr hatfield in a hurried tone as he grasped clarence violently by the wrist yes i do mean that bad woman exclaimed villiers who had now become painfully excited in his turn and i regret oh i regret to say that she has brought over to england her daughter whom report mentions as an angel of beauty and a demon of profligacy my god mr villiers save charles save my charles from these incarnate fiends cried mr hatfield or i myself and he was rushing to the door of the library when the earl held him back saying no thomas you must not go in this excited state let villiers take the affair in hand mr hatfield fell back into a seat a prey to the most painful the most agonizing emotions while clarence hurriedly departed to execute the commission entrusted to him the earl now addressed himself to the task of consoling his unfortunate brother-in-law and he had just succeeded in inducing mr hatfield to assume as composed a demeanour as possible preparatory to their joint appearance at the breakfast-table when clarence villiers rushed into the room not a quarter of an hour had elapsed since his departure and this speedy return together with his agitated manner raised new alarms in the breasts of the earl and mr hatfield they are gone fled all three together cried villiers throwing himself exhausted on an ottoman and panting for breath gone repeated the miserable father surveying clarence with eyes that stared wildly and unnaturally yes gone said villiers ten minutes before i reached suffolk street my aunt her daughter and mr charles departed in a post-chaise which had been sent for apparently in consequence of some sudden plan for the people of the house were previously unacquainted with the intention of their lodgers thus to leave so abruptly but where was the chaise hired and which road has it taken demanded mr hatfield now manifesting an energy and determination that proved his readiness to meet the emergency and adopt measures to pursue the fugitives i sought for that information in vain returned clarence villiers it appears that my aunt herself went out to order the post-chaise and that care was taken not to allow the people of the house any opportunity to converse with the post-boys the rent and other liabilities were all duly paid and the landlady of the lodgings accordingly makes no complaint of the women who have quitted her abode what course do you intend to adopt hastily demanded the earl turning to his half-brother order me your best horse to be saddled forthwith said mr hatfield and i will proceed in pursuit of the runaways tis ten to one that i will obtain some trace of them 
Perhaps Mr. Villiers will likewise mount horse and take the northern road. Well, I shall do the same and pursue a westerly direction, observed the Earl. Good, for it was my intention to choose the route towards Dover, said Mr. Hatfield. And now one word more, Arthur, he continued, the moment Villiers had left the room to give the necessary orders respecting the horses. As it is probable that we may recover and reclaim my self-willed son, and as in that case penitence on his part might induce you to forgive this absurd freak, so that the result may yet be favourable to our nearest and dearest wishes, under all these circumstances, I say, suffer not Francis to learn aught disparaging to his character. I understand you, Thomas, exclaimed the earl, wringing his half-brother's hand in token of cordial assent to this proposition. I will even speak as warily and cautiously as I may to my wife, while on your side— Oh, I must tell everything to Georgiana, said Mr. Hatfield. Suspense and uncertainty would be intolerable to her. I shall now seek her for the purpose of making a hasty but most sad communication, and then away in pursuit of the ingrate. A quarter of an hour afterwards, the Earl of Ellingham, Mr. Hatfield, and Clarence Villiers, all three equipped for their journeys, repaired to the nobleman's stables in the immediate vicinity of the mansion, and thence they speedily issued forth, well mounted, and each taking a separate direction. End of section 31